And I hope that you know that you are redeemed. Luke chapter 15, turn there with me please, and uh, we'll continue looking at this wonderful parable that is entitled The Prodigal Son. And most of us are pretty familiar with this story. It's the story of a young man who allowed something come between him and his father. It is the story of humanity. Would you look this way? This is your story. This is your story. And you might think today that this is about somebody far lower than you. And if you think that way, you are sadly mistaken. This is the story of every man. It's not just the parable of a few poor souls who find themselves trapped in addiction and 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 enchained by that kind of living, who end up literally squandering every penny that they have and and put onto the streets simply because they couldn't crave, couldn't curb their appetites. No, no, no. This is a story about you. You. And you might be a respectable living human being, but this is nonetheless a story about you. Now, some of us are far too proud to ever imagine ourselves to be the character that we read about here. Some in this barn right now, as I speak, are far too proud to ever admit that they would be so low and in such need. And perhaps you think that because you are financially secure and because you are for the most part a clean living human being, perhaps you think that you really aren't that bad. And if that's the case, you are even worse than you could ever imagine. You're like this man, but you don't even realize it. In principle, all of us are a prodigal, lost, by nature lost. Before the grace of God comes to us, before the Spirit of God quickens us, this is our story, this is our life, claiming our own independence, demanding that the portion of our goods that belong to us would be given to us so that we could somehow be our own masters. That's our story. We think the whole world owes us. We think everybody owes us. We want what's entitled to us so that we can decide what we want to do and live how we want to live. That's the story of humanity. And we don't like people telling us so. We don't like people saying to us that that's a problem. We somehow have imagined in the 21st century that it is okay to be the master of your own destiny. We somehow have come to the place in human history where we think it is okay that we are our own gods. And we all have this innate desire to gather all that we can and get as far away from God as we possibly can. It's in us. Now don't look at the man sleeping rough on the streets and think this is for him, that he's the prodigal. No, no, no. This is for you. Today, this morning, if you are lost and unconverted, if you are still in your sins, this is for you. You need to come to God before it's too late. Maybe you are the believer that has somehow wandered away from God. 
You used to walk near to the Father, so close you could hold his hand. He led you, he spoke to you, and you listened. But like this young man, perhaps you've wandered away. You've let go of the hand of God and wandered down your own path. How many times has the respectable, clean, living man used his portion of goods, used his things to put as great a distance as possible between himself and God? How many times has the wealthy man, the prosperous man in our nation, use his wealth and prosperity as an excuse as to why he does not need God? He's no different at all. In our text, I want you to notice a couple of things. I have circled in my, in my Bible that interesting phrase. I mentioned it to the children a, a moment ago. The Bible says in verse 13, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there, next three words, wasted his substance. He wasted his substance. Would you look this way for a moment? I wonder today... What are you doing with your substance, with your life? What are you doing? What are you doing with all that you have and all that you are? What are you doing? Are you like this man? Think about a couple of things with me. Think about this question. What what did he do with that liberty, with that inheritance? Everybody likes liberty, don't we? I suppose that's why so many people try to come to this land or many Western countries because we like liberty. We like freedom. We like to be able to do what we want to do. We like a measure of liberty. Now, I think we're, live, we're, li- we're seeing a day, we're living in a day when we feel as if our liberties are being taken. But we all like liberty, and therefore, when we feel like our liberty is being taken, we put our back up. We get our back up. We resist. But what did this man do with the liberty that he had? Now, let me ask you this question. Why do you care? Why do you want liberty? Why do you get upset when it feels like people are trying to take your liberty from you? Is it because it is is potentially threatening your riotous living? Is that the problem? Most people in this country who got upset about lockdowns were upset because they couldn't go on holiday. That was their big concern. What is it that you do? What is it that he did with his liberty? What did he do with his inheritance? Now, maybe this morning you're thinking, well, I don't have anything. I've never had any money. I'm very poor. I I don't have much money at all. I'm I'm not talking about quantity. I'm talking about what you do with what you have. What do you do with the life you've been given? What do you do with the days that you've been given? By the way, we've got another week gone. You're never going to get it back. What did you do with the last seven days? We spend our whole lives planning the future and we never actually get there. And all along the way, we're wasting time. So don't talk about money, talk about life. What are you doing with the liberty every day that you have, with the inheritance of life that you have, with the inheritance of a voice that you have, with a mind that you have, with hands? What are you doing with the inheritance that God has given you? This man wasted it. And so do we. It's the natural tendency of man. The Bible says he wasted it with riotous living. Now you got to look at that word carefully. Riotous. It's not righteous. That would be a good thing. Riotous. 
lavishly, without reserve, without judgment, without stopping to think that one day he's going to reach the end of his resources, without thinking that if I've got a million pounds and I, and I keep spending like I'm spending very soon, I'm going to have no pounds. That's how he lived. Riotous. He saw it, he bought it. He wanted to do it, he did it. Reminds me of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. You know the, you know the story. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 10, whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Whatever he wanted, he got it. Now, we take for granted, we live in the Western world where that is actually what's happening. We complain and moan because we can't get a newer car. We complain and moan because we don't have a bigger house, but we don't actually think for a moment that there are people in the other side of the world that don't have a house at all. I've never seen a car before. We actually are living this way. Spending and spending and spending and spending until we find ourselves like this man, broke. And this is how we live. We live like we're never going to die. We live with no thought of death. We live, we spend one day at a time, one right after the other. Living for ourselves one day after another, always taking for granted that we're going to have another day tomorrow. This man spending, 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 spending until all of a sudden when he reached in his pockets, he found them empty. The only thing he felt was his leg. And can I warn you, if you're not careful, you're going to spend, look here, you're going to spend your life one day at a time reaching in Spending, spending until you reach in one last time and run out of days. You find yourself like this man. It's a temptation, isn't there? It's a temptation of every man in every life to spend lavishly. To be distracted. We all are this way. I get distracted. If I'm not careful, your car distracts you. Your clothes distract you. Your books distract you. If you're not careful, everything in this world can serve as a distraction. Even your family, the people you love, your appearance, your weight loss, whatever it may be, can all be a distraction. And it is. Anything that keeps you from thinking about what you're actually doing in life. You ever done that? There have been many a Sunday mornings when I've got up very early. And I found myself with the Lord, and I said, here I am again. Another week has gone by, and I didn't do what I wanted to do and what I should have done. I always think about it on Sunday mornings. Because then on Sunday morning, I, I, I always resolve to God, next week's going to be different. This week, I'm going to give more time to prayer, more time to the Word. And then I find myself, I blink, and then I'm awake again Sunday morning. You ever been there before? It's a temptation of life. Jesus faced the same temptations. Matthew chapter 4, you're familiar with it. Jesus faced the temptation in the wilderness. I love this. I don't love it because he was tempted. I love it because we're told how to respond. Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he would af- he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, listen carefully to this. He said, if thou be 
the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, would you look here for a moment? Satan knew that Jesus was the son of God. He knew it. And he also knew that Jesus was hungry. Can I just say to you this morning, there has been many a man who has offered that which is spiritual and eternal on the altar of that which is carnal and temporal. There has been many a man who has offered on the altar, he's offered that which is eternal and spiritual just so he could have that which was temporary and fleshly. I think many of us do that quite regularly. Jesus was hungry. What's wrong with turning the stones into bread? He was hungry after all, and he had the power to do it. Is there anything wrong? In principle, there's nothing wrong with it at all. But the question is not whether or not it was right or wrong. The question is, what's, what's it going to cost? What's it going to cost? What's it going to cost? What would it have cost Christ to listen to Satan and turn the stones into bread to satisfy his fleshly hunger? What would it have cost him? That's the question. And the Lord Jesus refused to do something that he could have done. He refused to satisfy his belly at the expense of his soul. I'm afraid not many of us make that decision. I'm afraid too many days I choose belly over soul. I'm afraid too many days I choose, I choose that which is temporal over that which is eternal. Why fill your belly and empty your soul? We're fleshly, aren't we? This is the price that men pay when they satisfy their physical lusts and their desires at the expense of walking with Christ. What about the temptation to waste our substance in the mental or intellectual realm? What about that? What about the temptations to study our whole lives? To become more intelligent and more clever. What about that? Ever learning, but never able to come into the knowledge of the truth. What about that temptation? What about that temptation that Paul said, knowledge puffeth up? What about in Isaiah chapter 47? Listen to this verse. The prophet says in verse number 10, Isaiah 47, For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness. Thou hast said, none seeth me. Thy wisdom, what's this? Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. Did you catch that? Thy wisdom and thy knowledge hath perverted thee. Thou hast said in thine heart, I am and none else beside me. That's a temptation for many people. Isaiah 5 says that they were wise in their own eyes. Paul says in Romans, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So there's this temptation, not just to satisfy fleshly lust, the base desires of life, but what about that desire to be higher intellectually? I know some people have made an entire life career out of university and studies. For what? To have a shrunken head? Pardon me, a swollen head and a shrunken heart? To walk about with a head so big full of knowledge that you can't get out the door, but your heart shriveled up like a raisin? 
We recently had the opening service in Carlisle on Saturday, an amazing meeting, just really precious, special meeting. People from all over the country coming uh, to support the opening of a new church plant uh, a week ago yesterday. Amazing. A real sweet spirit. And afterward, I had an email. I often get many very encouraging emails and sometimes not so encouraging emails. I had an email the day after, and I still haven't responded to it, lest I respond in the flesh. But I had an email afterwards with a list of complaints. And the majority of the complaints had nothing to do with the day at all. But they, had, they were what had been seen in other Americans. Had nothing to do with last week, nothing to do with the church plant. And I thought to myself, what is wrong with people? That they would rob themselves of such a blessing Because they would be so intellectually critical, so stringent with things they've got. They want it to be like, and by the way, it had nothing to do with what we were doing, but what they thought we could do simply because I had an American accent. I thought to myself, what a waste. Oh, maybe they're very theological and intellectual, but boy, I don't know if they even have a heartbeat. I'm sure if I, if, I, if I met the person, I'm sure that a shiver would have run up and down my spine because it would have been like an ice cube standing next to him. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. They tell me that Napoleon was such a man. Napoleon was not a drunkard. In fact, he was very, very well-disciplined, a very self-disciplined man. In fact, eating was just a necessity for him. He didn't really care about food. And he'd eat his meals as quickly as he could. And if his officers knew that they were supposed to eat with him, with Napoleon, they would always eat before they got there because he'd never give them enough, enough time to finish their meal. That was the kind of man that he was. But do you know, although he wasn't a drunkard, and although he was a clean, living, self-disciplined man, do you know what he was doing? He was chasing after power. Just as bad. Just as bad. Man is consumed with a passion for more. Sometimes we find it in the church, don't we? I want a title. I want an office. I want this. And I want, ultimately though, ultimately though, we're wasting our substance with riotous living. Wasting it. Now, think about this question. What did he get back when he spent it? What did he have to show after he spent all of his inheritance, all of his substance What did he get back? Would you look here? Let me help you. One word. Nothing. Nothing. And that's what you are left with when you waste your life worried and consumed about material things of this world. You've got to have a house to live in. I understand that. It's nice to have a car to drive from point A to point B. I'm aware of that. You've got to have clothes on your back and food in your belly. But if you get consumed with all of that, You're wasting your life. Some of you, all you live for is to get up and go to work. That's it. That is it. And you think that because you go to church or chapel one one day a week or a couple of days a week for an hour or two, you think that that somehow makes you a Christian. You're deceived. You're wasting your substance, wasting your life. He wasn't, this young man was not wasting his money. He was wasting his life. And so are we. We are wasting our being, our essence, who we are. 
When you give all your energy and efforts to getting all your desires, to fulfilling all your wants and your wishes, then you'll have nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing to show when your life is over. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15, Jesus said this, Take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Your life is not defined by what you own. It's defined by who you are in him, in Christ. I wonder, what do you have today that will last for eternity? If you died now, if today were the day that we all died, what do you have today that's going to last for eternity that you're going to take with you? Your car's not going, sorry. That nice new pair of shoes, stiletto heels, whatever it is, not going. That certificate that you earned from Oxford University, well done, but it ain't going with you. That title that you have achieved, the accomplishment, it's not going. Nobody in heaven is going to talk about your PhD, sorry. Nobody's going to talk about your successful business. What is it that you possess today? What are you living for? How much of what you're living for will actually go with you to heaven? Do you ever think about that? That that should make you stop and think for a second. Hold on just a moment. Hold on just a moment. Maybe I am wasting my life. Now, here's the gospel. We wasted our substance, our life. He preserved, saved our life. He offers that. We spent everything on riotous living. He spent everything to save and rescue us. We have proven ourselves totally unworthy. He has proven himself Totally perfect and worthy. Every once in a while when somebody comes to the end of their life, it's like every family member and friend give all the energy and effort that they have. They do all of that in order to try to prove to everybody that the person who's dying was actually a really good person. You ever notice that? They could have been the greatest criminal in the world, Jesse James, and yet still they're the biggest saint that the earth has ever known. You ever seen that before? Trying to convince one another this person was a really, really good man or a really, really good woman. Nobody ever goes to heaven because they're good. Sorry. Nobody, not one person has ever walked into heaven because they were good. Heaven's not for good people. It's for forgiven people. It's for changed people. Converted people. People who have been born again. And the only way for that to happen is for you to recognize I'm wasting my life. I'm unworthy. I'm in trouble. I'm running out of days. I'm running out of time. And if I die like this, I'm going to wake up like this man, except too late to go back to the Father. And if you keep spending, wasting your days like you are right now, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ with nothing one day. And it's time you woke up. What happened to this young man? 
He wasted his substance, began to work for a farmer, feeding pigs. And the Bible says he came to himself. He woke up one day and said, hold on a moment. How, how many servants does my father have? And they've got more than enough to eat. And I'm his son. I'm going to go home. You know what that was? That was common sense. Unfortunately, we live in a world where there's very little of that. Let me give you a bit of common sense. You, my friend, are dying. Every one of us. And not just dying physically, but you are spiritually dead if you've never been born again. Let me give you some common sense. Our sin has separated us from God. And if you don't address that, you won't just leave this world without taking your car with you, but you'll leave this world without any hope of heaven, without any hope of saving grace, without any hope of mercy. But if you today, like this young man, can say, hold on, my father is very wealthy. I'm very poor. I'm wasting my life. But I have a father in heaven who cares who loves me so much that he sent his son to die in my place. If you'll humble yourself and go to him, this man said, I will arise and go to my father. And will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Have you ever come to that point in your life? Have you ever come to the place in your life when you said, I've sinned against heaven and God? Do you know when I was 18 years old, God saved me. You know what it took? It took me understanding that my sin was not against the judge. It was not against the police. It was not against the people that I had done wrong to. My sin was against God. When I began to think about that, my knees began to shake a little bit. And I began to think about if there is a God who really knows all and sees all, then I haven't gotten away with anything. I'm in trouble. And then God showed me by his grace that that God is not just a judge, but a savior. With arms wide open, waiting, ready for you to come home. It's amazing. This man had no right to go home. He'd spent everything that he had. He took everything and left. He had no right to go home, and now he was in need. And the same thing is with you this morning. You have no right to go to God. You have no right. You've, you've spat in his face. You've rebelled against him, shook your fist at heaven, said, I'll do my own thing. You have no right to go to God, but yet you can. Isn't that amazing? You and I have no right to go to God, but we can come. And he wants us to come on the basis, not of my righteousness, but of his grace. His marvelous grace. And this is life. Jesus said, this is life. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's life. And not just life, but life eternal. Meaning, if you get that right, then from this day forward it will be right. For the rest of eternity. This is what it's all about, knowing God. And just because you know about God doesn't mean you know God. There are a lot of people who intellectually know about God, theologically, but they don't know God. And Jesus said, this is life eternal, that they might know thee. Do you know him? 
Do you really know Him? Through Jesus Christ. Now, all of us are spending our, our life for wasting, some of us wasting it. Would you look here? Are you wasting it? Or have you given it to the Lord? Let's pray together. Father, we are aware that tomorrow may never come. We are certain that yesterday is finished. We ask of thee, Lord, today, now, we might consider, might consider our ways. We may consider what we're doing with our life. Well, show us if we be wasting our substance. Well, teach us how, Lord, to invest it, to give it to Thee one day at a time. Help us, we pray. Well, Father, we ask Thee to forgive us for time wasted chasing after material things that do not last. Help us to follow Thee, Lord. I pray for the one who's lost, dead in their sins. Oh, God, please have mercy. Help them to see that the path that they are taking will very soon abruptly end. And they'll have nothing to show. Nothing to show but a list of offenses. Sins against an almighty God. May they see that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Help them to see that the arms of the Father are open wide now. That it is a throne of grace and mercy now. And may they come freely as we have been invited before it's too late. In Jesus Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. Amen.